Thank you for coming Thank you for coming out. Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm so excited to be here. In 2015, I founded the queer improv show, Thank You For Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it, and it is now one of the longest running queer improv shows in New York City. During the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. Our podcast is a little different. We still have a storyteller share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. And this particular podcast is even... It's a little, uh, it's different. We're recording during the COVID-19 pandemic while we're all physically distancing, which means we're not in the same room, we're not in our studio, and we're using Zoom. So we're not using our professional uh, gear that we usually do. So our audio quality that you're used to might be a little bit different. Um, You might hear some sirens or something outside, but we are all just doing the best we can with what we have. So I can't believe I have the opportunity to say this. Our guest today is a two-time Emmy award-winning non-binary activist who is one of the founding members of the Time's Up and 5050 by 2020 campaigns, the author of the incredible book, She Wants It, and creator of the life-changing show, Transparent, and just an all-around total badass, Jill Soloway, they, them pronouns. Hi, Jill. How's it going? It's going. How are you doing? Awesome. Uh, just like before we dive into stuff, I just want to check in. We kind of checked in for a minute before, but um, how are how are you doing? How are you holding up during this weird time? It's just, yeah, it's the craziest time imaginable. I think the intensity of life in many ways makes me feel very alive because every decision and every moment is the moment that you have to be having instead of one of 10. Mm-hmm. there's ways where it's like, Oh, I could go to a restaurant or I could watch TV or I could hang out with my friends. Or it's like, this is like, no, I have to make dinner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. there's n- none of that anxiety of like, what if something went wrong? What if everything fell apart? It's like, everything's already gone wrong. Everything's falling apart. We're in triage mode with our families, with our health. We're, we're having to be like almost super, kind of dialed into exactly what's necessary mm-hmm. and that actually feels really in many ways anxiety relieving for me strangely mm, that's great that you're able to tune into that that's helpful um I had I, I told you a little bit before this but I had just like a very traumatic experience earlier this week and I was talking to my mom about it and she was like you've lived through your worst nightmare like you experienced your worst nightmare and you lived through it to talk to me about it today And she's so right. And that was so like incredible for her to say that to me. And I'm also feeling that in a bigger sense, like about this pandemic of like, what is this nightmare? And like, we're making it through like, however we can. And it's just, it's like, it's so wild. It's so wild. (laughs) It's so wild. Yeah. Um, So I asked you to bring something uh, that reminds you of pride. Um, So I'd love to see what you brought to talk to us about. Well, I just brought something that's going to make you laugh. Oh, awesome. That's incredible. It's Amazing. like a picture of me and Faith when we were in our 20s. I love it. I was <laughs> like, is that 80s glam? 80s. Awesome. And Faith looking <laughs> really mad that she's got makeup on, but yeah. also super hot. 
And then there's me. We we both have like very serious eighties faces. Yeah. Like being a picture of faith because faith is just my other half as a human and also my inspiration. And I think about, you know, at this moment in time of us in our twenties and the eighties where faith came out as a lesbian. And I think I was just like, okay, well, faith's going to be the gay one and I'll be the straight one. Mm-hmm. Just God knows why some weird hypnosis made me say, if she's gay, I'm straight. I don't know why. I just thought I had to balance out the family or something, or we needed one of each. I don't even know what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. And then I think about trans pride or about, was it trans pride or was it pride? It was pride. Um, and then, oh, it was the Dyke March. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Maybe last year or two years ago in New York and Faith and I marching together and we were like holding trans flags and to go from that one place where it's so binary, where I'm like, I'm a girl, I'm straight, she's a girl, she's gay, to walking down the streets of New York, both of us carrying our trans flags, which felt like this kind of big thing, which is like, we are not here to represent being dykes. We're here to represent that we are both trans and that we have a trans parent, hence the show. And that we don't necessarily, faith doesn't necessarily come out as trans as often as I do, but like to both really be people who really can feel like we exist between somewhere between male and female. And that is a place that so truly describes how we both feel. That's my coming out much more so than being like, Oh, I'm going to have relationships with women or, Oh, I'm going to start to wear men's clothes you know, it's just going, there's a place, it's not male, it's not female, it's in between, and that's who I am, and that's, 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 I think, the launch pad to, you know, the rest of my life. Wow, what a, what a really special moment to share with your sibling, and like, oh my god, like, I can't even, I gotta, gather my thoughts that is just what a moment to first of all doing I feel like doing anything on the streets of New York is like monumental I like I still like sing rent when I'm walking down the streets because it just feels so appropriate and um but to to march with pride trans pride flags with your sibling that's like your other half that's like how incredible and special that's oh my god thank you for sharing that that's amazing yeah thank you for letting me talk about it. It's so special. It's the heart of everything. That's, oh my gosh. And I can, I can feel it. Like I can see it coming out of like just the way that you're talking. It's awesome. Um, so my, my item, um, I wasn't sure what I was going to bring. And then I was, um, flipping through your incredible book that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, and I remembered the scene that you were talking about, um, with Mel and like kissing for the first time and like having sex for the first time. And just like, feeling like you can do anything in that moment. And it reminded me of changing my major from fun home. So I have my, yeah. my fun home mug. Um, what a great play. Such a great play. And I met my dear friend, Lauren Patton, when, when she was playing medium Al. Oh my gosh. She's amazing. I saw her and Jagged Little Pill. Yeah. She's just a superstar. Yeah. Just the best person in the world. Um, hi Lauren. Um, and yeah, so that was, that was mine. And just the, watching, I saw Fun Home five times and was just like, this is the best thing. Ever. Were you straight before that? No, I was out and queer and trans and stuff, but I still, but it still was like one of those moments where I haven't seen a queer person on a Broadway stage before, like kissing and talking about it and like having sex 
you know, mm-hmm. it just wasn't. Like, I was, was like looking at, I was like looking at a picture of you on Facebook where you had long hair and you were just kind of like partying. Oh. How old were you then? And were you, were you straight then? Was it the one with the phone in between my boobs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was straight. Um, that was, right. I was 20. Yeah. In quotes, everyone. Um, I was 20. Um, so I came out, I probably, well, actually hold on a second. I might've been out as a lesbian at that point. Mm-hmm. I can't quite remember, but I, I didn't come out as trans until I was 29. Um, I'm 35 now. So I still feel like I'm a baby trans still yeah. coming into my own figuring out and like, and, and in your book too, which we'll get to, Oh yeah. I want to talk about everything with you. Um, you just talk about like this, like new adolescence. And I, I feel that yeah. like all of the time of like, cause I felt I had to do that coming out as gay and like figuring out how that worked and then yeah. figuring out how to do it again as a trans person was like, Oh my God, this is so hard. Yeah. Yeah. It is hard. Cause there's no, there's no, um, there's nothing to hold on to. There's no tracks in the snow. There's no people to look up to. So not yeah. only are you like, am I constantly mourning the lack of role models, but then like every so often when I think about the number of role models that cis hetero guys have had and the hundreds of thousands of ways that they can be, they can be good. They can be bad. They can be fucked up. They can be Philip Roth. They can be, you know, Albert Brooks. They can be shambly. They can be nerdy. They can be embarrassed. They have all these different ways of, being vulnerable and of being strong and like and then guys get to kind of grow up watching those in movies and on tv shows and i always say um protagonism is propaganda for privilege and we're just trying to like feel okay in our bodies and and you know be able to kind of knit together a sense of self that doesn't have that dysmorphic you know mismatch of our body parts Mm-hmm. And we're, you and I are having to like go in the tracks and start, start these paths knowing that like years from now people will benefit from it, but there's nobody teaching us how to do it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, okay. I want, I have to, I have to guide our conversation. <laughs> That's okay, okay. Okay. But I know, but yes, we're going to talk all about like visibility and like creating space for other people, but I want to, this is, thank you for coming out. So I want to um, ask for you to please share one of your coming out stories. As we've already said, we come out so many times to so many different people all right. the time. So actually my coming out, none of it was any, there was never like a big, like, come out, come out of the door. Here I am. Mm-hmm. It was more a slow pile of not being able to handle being treated as female one at a time to, you know, this day, that day, you know, I think it's interesting because I'm sure you notice when you and I start to talk about like what we're like, you'll meet a lot of like heterosexual cis women who are going to be like, I hate when the host says, write this way, ladies too. Oh my God, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Ladies was one of those things that was making me nuts. Yeah. But actually we had this thing at, um, I think it was actually, I love Dick, not transparent, but we have this tradition that we do when we start filming where we all kind of hang out together for, 10 or 15 minutes and stand in a circle and we call it box. All the people on the um, crew go box, 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 box. And everybody comes no matter what you're working on. And we all stand in a circle and we kind of take turns getting up on this big old apple box, which is like the size of a crate. And we say, um, whatever's going on in our life. It can be like, I had the best breakfast and I feel great today. Or it can be like, I, you know, somebody died, but it was the morning of that. And we had sort of been getting ready to, sh- to film and 
as much as I like really love all the kind of like union macho dudes who work on a film set, there was this dynamic that was happening where as a director and I was saying, let's move this couch over here. Can we, can we raise this picture a few inches higher as a director, as I'm starting to get the image right of what I want to film, I'm asking them to move stuff and they're going, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Got to take care of this for you, hon. Yeah. It was just this, like, we're honoring Jill because we think Jill's a wonderful woman and it's our job as men to make sure that good ladies, pretty ladies, nice ladies, we do what they say. Yes, ma'am. And I just like couldn't take it anymore because I wanted to know what was it like for David O. Russell or any male director to say, let's move this table over here. And then the guy goes, got it. Or got it, boss. Or let's, whatever that relationship was between two male collaborators who are going to move the table. I wanted that. I didn't want the, you got it, Mm ma'am. So at that point, I was kind of non-binary to my friends and in my personal life, but at work, I wouldn't even bother people because I just feel like it's too confusing. But I just, I got up there and I was like, I'm going to say it, you know, Hmm. I'm non-binary. I would love to use they, them pronouns. You guys can try them out with me. If you make a mistake, it's totally fine. But I don't identify as a woman. I don't identify as a man. I identify as something sort of in between. I I always say I'm neither male nor female, always changing. Um, Both, you know, at any point. You know, I could, I could be both. I could be either. I could be neither. It's always changing. So just say they and them. Cause then it just means you don't know my pronoun. You don't, you know, it means you don't know my gender. Like I like they and them just, I think a lot of people were like, Oh, it means plural. You're both male and female. And it means, no, you don't know my gender because in this moment internally, I could be male or female. And generally I feel male. And then when people call me female, I get triggered. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes, yeah, I feel female too. And I, I just, I just want no, I want nothing. I want no marker. I want no marker. I want to be in this soundproof booth where we're just connecting and you and I aren't going a couple of dudes talking or mm-hmm. a couple of ladies chatting or a man talking to a woman or a woman. All that stuff adds on these layers of a certain kind of performance that I was kind of just done with. Yeah. So it actually was like very announcing and it was like standing on a box and, he, and, and the weirdest part was I started crying while I was talking. Yeah. Well, I'm, I can, I can understand. It's like, I would, I, at least, I mean, not to put words in your mouth, but I can understand like when I've declared things, I've started crying because it's such a release and a relief to just like get it out there and be like, Oh, like it's like such a weight has been lifted um, to share that with folks and to assert what like a need and like assert part of who you are. I feel like so many times like growing up assigned female at birth and raised as a girl taught you know like what you have to say doesn't matter or it doesn't matter as much as a man um and so to assert oneself is like really powerful so I totally get why I would cry yeah um and I also love the idea and the notion of just like stepping on a box and like a like that's like that's like rad that's really cool cool yeah and also I'm sure I'm sure you noticed like with the non-binary thing the other problem that goes with it is not just going you know I'm trans or I'm you know I want you to think of me as male or as female but for a lot of people with the non-binary thing they feel like they're getting like an incredibly hard homework assignment that's a mm-hmm. logic game that's going to trap 
like catch them up and then they're afraid to talk to you because yep. they're going to say the wrong thing. And it's like, it's actually very hard to misgender somebody to their face because you don't use pronouns when you're talking to somebody. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a kind of, a, it, it puts a wall between you and other people, the non-binary thing, especially old friends. Cause they're like, Oh, this means that you now know something that I don't know, which is this language. And you've just thrown down a gauntlet and I'm not going to pass it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a, I had a friend tell me once that, um, cause I'm, I'm 35, I'm single. And so I'm, you know, I like whine to my friends. It's like, why am I single? And I had a friend tell me that I'm intimidating because I get angry when people misgender me and people don't want to like make a mistake. And I'm like, that's an interesting take on why I'm single. But, um, <laughs> you know, like, I get angry because I feel invalidated and I feel invisible when people misgender me. Um, I don't get angry. I mean, I've, had, I've been using they, them pronouns for three years. So like, yes, by now I'm upset when someone doesn't get my pronouns right, who's known for three years. If someone I don't know, you know, uses the wrong pronoun, it's just, it's complicated. But yeah, I think there is like that um, fear with folks of saying the wrong thing. And so they just don't say anything at all. Yeah. So they, so they feel like, you know, you're separating from them, but actually Eileen Miles said something about the, they, they, them pronouns that I really loved. And she was like, the awkwardness is the point. Mm, Yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, yeah, you're right. I always do feel awkward. And so now they feel awkward. Like we both feel awkward together because it felt awkward when they were saying like, hi, pretty lady, Mm -hmm. you know, or they felt, I felt awkward when people by assuming I was female were carrying around this sort of judgment of how poorly I was doing it being female. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so if it's awkward, great. Because at least now we're both awkward instead of just me in my mind. Yeah. And then I think too, with that, um, <clears throat> in the trainings that I do um, at Keshet, um, I, I specifically name in every one that awkwardness and that discomfort is actually where we're both going to grow and where mm-hmm. you're going to learn in that moment to maybe, maybe I shouldn't say something like this again. And then we're going to grow together in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, uh, it's a good point. Um, okay. So I know I, I kind of cut us our conversation off about like visibility and creating a narrative for folks that we, neither of us have had. And so I think that's like a beautiful segue into transparent. Um, and just, I want to, I want to dig into it, but I want to just quickly say how cathartic it is. So I've been rewatching it in preparation for this interview and I've never rewatched it season to season to season and it is so intense and incredible and I have not cried and laughed so hard and like it's just and it and and watching everyone come into themselves and seeing myself reflected in Mora and in Ari and um it just and 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 literally like lines in the show are verbatim things that I have thought that I have said that I have felt that just, you know, Ari in the airport being like, don't call me ma'am. And just like, it's up to here and you just can't take it anymore. And like, I have been in those moments and it just, so the, 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 the trails are happening. Like you are creating them. And I just am forever. I have to gush just for a second. Sorry. Just like forever, forever grateful for that. And, oh God, I can't believe so much. Yes, I thank you so much for coming out. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, I don't even. I guess I just <sighs> I don't even know where to start with it. But just 
I guess I, I just am looking at my notes and one of the thing one of the first things that Maura said was my whole life I've been dressing up as a man. Um, I think it's like in the beginning of the first season. And um, like, I think, I feel like that's so relatable to what you and I are talking about too. I mean, we haven't, we haven't actually said it, but I won't put words in your mouth, but for me, that's how I felt growing up. Like I've been forced to dress as this gender that I'm not. And yes, gender isn't only about clothes, but it's such a big part of being able to express who you are. There's, there's gotta be a question in here. I'm just still gushing. Well, I mean, I can just share with you a little bit about when I think about that moment. Yeah. When Maura said that and just, you know, I feel very lucky that I got to make transparent. I think um, there was a confluence of a few things. One is that I was obsessed with television my whole life. You know, Faith and I would obsess about shows like the Brady Bunch and, you know, family and eight is enough and brothers and sisters and, you know, Felicity. And I just think about like so many ways in which I found my sense of being alive through the television and was, was working as a TV writer and just kind of like bobbing my head on the glass ceiling over and over and over again. So at this moment when my parent came out, I was ready emotionally to transform my life into a TV show because I had been waiting Mm. to almost get inside the TV. And I was also technically ready because I had been working on Six Feet Under and, you know, United States of Terra and Looking and all these other shows where I actually totally understood how to make television. But when my parent came out, the process of writing that pilot and even getting to these sentences of like, no, this is my whole life. I've been dressing up as a man. This is me. It was actually like this really personal small thing where I didn't really actually know if it was ever going to be a TV show or a movie, Hmm. but I created this script as like an almost doppelganger family to live inside of where I could feel safe doing things Hmm. that I couldn't do in my real life. So it just, you know, took me a really long time to be able to see my dad as a woman, but I was able to write the things that Allie and Sarah wanted to say and that Josh wanted to say to Maura. So I needed the script as a cloak to live inside of, to just kind of draw the curtains and play with the dolls. Yeah. And when it came out and it had such a large resonance, it was just perfect really in many ways because it wasn't written to have a large resonance. It was written to help me deal with my shame. Hmm. I felt so much shame about things like telling people that my dad was trans that a lot of times I would be like, Hey, I wrote a script. Do you want to read it? They'd be like, sure. And they'd finish it and they'd be like, that's really good. And I'd be like, yeah, it's true. Hmm. Or once I wrote the pilot, I remember my in-laws, I was married at the time. I sat them down and I showed them the pilot. And after it was done, I was like, this is true. Wow. I needed to write this piece of propaganda that would help me let other people know that I'm not embarrassed. And I needed it because I was embarrassed. Mm. So everything I was doing, everything, pulling this false family together, casting Gabby and Amy and there was so much yearning and love needed on my part to create this family that when, you know, as you watched it over many years, what you were watching was just a bunch of people kind of living in this alternate reality together. It really was like making a documentary. 
those three kids became siblings. And Jeffrey was a lot like Maura. And Judith was a lot like Shelley. And we needed to live it, to film it, to share it, to show it, to make ourselves laugh while we're making it, to show up and have certain, la- when you, when, you know, when you're like certain things that I watch, they make me feel like I'm seen, you know, I felt that way on the set. You know, mm-hmm. I remember for some reason in particular, I was really, I always think about this one scene where Allie and Sid, um, Carrie Brownstein and Gabby are like playing around with a dildo. Yeah. And one of them's wearing a dick. Mm-hmm. And they're just like really casually, just like having fun with like, you know, Carrie Brown scenes, like, or Sid's like, don't, you, don't, get the, don't get that out in the light of day. Yeah. I just loved how casual it was that they, neither of them, that they both were felt like casually silly. And I just imagined being 14 or 15 or 16 and watching that scene and, and having a new understanding of what it meant to be intimate. Mm-hmm. And so it was feeding me too while I was making it. Mm-hmm. It was feeding all of us while we were making it. We were all coming up with, oh, hey, why don't you say that? You know, I would think of a funny line to tell Gabby to say to Carrie, you know, and we would then film it. Like, so it was so alive because it was healing all of us while we were making it. And I'll never have that experience again, you know, and I, I'm not going to try as a writer or a director or a producer because it took too much from my real family. I think it took too much from my ability to really parent like you still looking for love at the tender age of 50, however I am, it took too much for my ability to have intimacy with other people because my intimacy was all on the TV show. So I think you watched a kind of like personal explosion of intimacy and need and need to be seen and yearning. And I don't know. It, it was, it was, it's an absolute like a total blessing that I was in the position when my parent came out to do this, that Amazon was in the position to go like, okay. And that what happened, happened, you know? Yeah. Wow. That's so incredible. Um, That being part of such an, just like being part of the production of the show was so personal. And like, I feel like it, right. Like it just shines through the screen of feeling so relatable and, um, and yeah, like, you know, younger kids and folks who are like, what's this? And like, turn it on who might not ever otherwise be exposed to certain identities or interactions and things. It's like so important and so special. And I like made my parents watch it. And my mom would text me be like, Maura gets just as mad when they misgender her as you do. I'm like, yeah, it's like a real (laughs) thing. It's not just me. It's like, I'm, you know, like, it's not, doesn't just apply to me. It applies to lots of trans people. And also being Jewish and being able to give it to your parents, the Jewishness is a lens through which they can feel very familiar. Yeah. Yeah. I get these people. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. Um, Yeah. There's another, there's another line from it that um, really stuck out to me. It's like second on my list, which was um, uh, when Leslie says, um, just sit in the discomfort when, when she's talking to Ari. Um, and, and I just, for the majority of my life, I would never be alone and I could never sit by myself and in that discomfort because I was so terrified of what would come up and, and I didn't want to ever acknowledge it. Um, and so that was just, you know, and so just so many of the things, so many of the, um, moments are just, I don't know, just, it, they're just, they're incredible. <laughs> and I, I wonder if there have, were there, 
Uh, you're welcome. Are there, um, actually, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pivot a little bit. Um, (laughs) um, It's still still talking about like the importance of visibility, but one of the things that I want to talk about um, is this like, not like permission and consent in two different ways. So one is like the permission and consent to like give yourself to do this kind of work, I think, and to also to come out. And then in particular, the scene um, in season four in the greenhouse when Ari is getting intimate with life and like that conversation and like, just like before. So I had, um, I had top surgery um, four years ago. And before that, I, I literally didn't know it was okay to tell a partner that they like to not touch me. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I was allowed to do that. That's amazing. You must've loved that scene. Oh my God. Obsessed with like, I can't even tell. I mean, I'm telling you right now, but like, yeah, it was, I was, my mind was blown. Like, yeah. I can't, I was like, I cannot believe that, that you're allowed to do that. Yeah. Right. I remember when I first learned about it too, because I remember I was at a queer retreat. I was at the Radar Labs retreat in Mexico and my friend was describing to me what a stone butch was, you know, and she was like, with somebody's stone, that means you can't, you can't touch them unless they tell you to, or they probably won't, you know? And I was like, I always assumed if you didn't want to be touched, you couldn't have sex. <laughs> right. But to be like, no, you can have sex, but you can just say like, Hey, don't touch my tits or don't, you know? And that's another thing that I learned, you know, from Ian Harvey, when we were filming that scene with Dale in season one, mm-hmm. where he was like, you know, trans people just need to say a few things before they have sex. Like, Hey, like, I don't like having my breasts touched or don't do this or, you know, I was like, Oh, what a revolution that if you're queer or if you're queer, maybe you have some trauma you need to talk about first. If you're trans, like sometimes it seems like the simple switch of being queer or trans is just that you kind of have to slow things down a little bit enough to let people know what works for you and your body. Whereas with heterosexuality, compulsory heterosexuality, heteronormativity, being female in a world where patriarchal power allows us all to believe that, you know, we have something to gain or lose if we don't impress the man, all kinds of non-consensual stuff is going on constantly. Because Mm -hmm. as you, as you said, we weren't even allowed to be like, I don't want this part of my body involved. There's something about heteronormative sex where the sex was actually the finding out of how far you were going to let somebody go. Mm-hmm. And you didn't even know until you got into it. And next thing you knew, you were doing things that weren't consistent with your plan of what you were going to do that night. And now they call all, they call that rape, you know, but when mm-hmm. we were, when I was in college, um, my body was like a kind of, you know, it was an all access pass to any space I wanted, as long as I was willing to go along with the guys And it was in many ways like a kind of experience holder that constantly turned on me. That I constantly allowed to get into situations that were not what I desired. You know, Mm -hmm. this is maybe why the book is called She Wants It. You know, this idea about about being able to connect to our desire, but not through this like win of being hot enough to attract a great guy. Mm-hmm. I'm still working on it at the tender age of 54 going, what is this body and, and how do I want to share it with other people? And what does it mean when I'm alone with it? And what is pleasure? You know, like, yeah, just getting started. Yeah. It's so, it's so complicated and it's so um, like similarly too, for me in college, 
I just didn't care. Like it was one of those things where it's like, I just didn't care what happened to me because I could never envision a future for myself that I just like was so like, whatever, like do what you like promiscuous and like, whatever you want. Like, I'm just going to do this because this is what, you know, like girls do, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, just like, right. To like get that attention and that validation from someone I didn't even want it from, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's like, but this is, this is the role I have to play. Right. So I, I got, I lean, and that's another thing Eileen Miles said to me. She's like this, that, that, that when you're heterosexual, you have this sense that being female is something you can win at. Mm-hmm. Wow. Cause it's patriarchy, you know? Yeah. So you're, you are trying to win. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, I'm going to wear this, but then I hope this doesn't happen, but I have to do this to get this, you know? So queerness and transness and the pulling off of all of the labels, I think just allows people like you and I to be like, I'm not trying to win. I'm just trying to show up. Yeah. Just like show up and be my true self and like, however that looks and it might be different tomorrow and it might be different next week. Cause it is, it's like still trying to undo all the stuff that we were taught for our whole lives. And it's, yep. and all the messages that we get from everywhere. Um, and so I just love, I, I just love like the messages of, um, of the, the, just with that, those pieces of consent in, in the, sh- in the show are so important. And I think that that's really going to help a lot of people. Yeah. Even um, like there's, there's certain, there's certain, you know, scenes like with Allie and Leslie, you know, where Leslie goes like, where, what, you know, why didn't you say when we were doing it that you didn't like it? And Allie was like, well, cause I was just kind of off in my head. And Leslie's like, that's disassociating, you know, mm-hmm. what a great conversation. It's like some people are like, yeah, I disassociate to feel pleasure. And other people are like, come, you know, I need to be able to know you're here and consenting. And I just love to be able to throw that conversation casually into a TV show that, yeah, maybe some teenager in some red state, you know? Yeah nighttime bedroom, turning it on and being like, what, you know, this is another way to be, you know? Yeah. And I just, it's so, you know, the only like trans, like visible, visible, anything that I saw growing up was boys don't cry. Mm -hmm. And like, ends badly. Ends badly. Uh, And I'm like, well, if that's how it's going to end, then that can't be me. Even if I'm, if I'm connecting so much to this character, and this like essence of this person, I can't, that can't be me because how terrible to end up like that. Right. And, and so the fact that there's now this show where it's not easy and it's challenging, but there's, it's positive and it, yeah, it ends in a joy cost, right? It's like, um, Really quick, one more quick thing, and then I'm going to move us into our last round. Okay. Um, so I just, uh, I, we didn't really, we didn't even get to dig into your book at all, but I just know how much it means to me. I'm holding it up, but no one else can see that. But um, re- I went to your talk um, at the new school in New York, and it was like oh, the day cool. it came out. Um, and like, I caught the delivery guy in the hallway with the books, and I was like, He's like, I, don't, I can't do that. I can't like, I have to like deliver it. I'm like, deliver it. <laughs> so anyways, I have, I got the book and oh you God. signed it. You signed it. Um, it's going to be backwards to you, but you signed it. Thank you for coming out. Cause I told you about my show, Oh, okay. which I think is just awesome that like, and now here we are and you're on. Thank you for coming out. It's, it's, like, it's like very that was cool. A cool night. That was a really special night. That was really awesome. Me and my friend Caroline were in front row. Um, That's so cool. Cheering you on. Um, okay. So the last segment, which I'm sad to do, but it's also fun. 
um, is like just a really quick, silly rapid fire. And I'm just going to ask you questions and just answer as quickly as possible. There are no right or wrong answers except one and you'll know it when it happens. Okay. <laughs> okay. Pencil or pen? Pen. Acting or singing? Acting. Dogs or cats? Mm, doggies. Beach or mountains? Mountains. Meat or veggies? Meat. Bagels or donuts? Bagels. Yes. That's the one. Yes. <laughs> train or plane? Oh, train. Sweet or salty? Salty. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Night or day? Hmm. Night. And favorite kitchen item? Hmm. I like that little squeezer that you can take, like, the chicken drippings out. And the thing with the bulb. Oh, yeah. It reminds, like, a booger sucker. A baster. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> also, like, a booger catcher. Yeah. Turkey baster. Uh, yeah, awesome. Um, Jill, thank you so much for joining me oh, today. Thank you so much for being so amazing and being such an amazing leader and helping so many people with your just presence, your joyful presence. Thank you so much. And sit right back at you. Thank I appreciate you. it. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for coming out. Hey, it's Dubs Weinblatt, your host of Thank You For Coming Out. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. Please subscribe to our podcast on the platform of your choice. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps.